We're talking C2C supplemental drafts. Should you draft freshmen? All that and more when we return. Welcome back to the Full Tilt Debbie Podcast. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Andy Starr at ASTARFF on Twitter. And tonight we are going to be talking about CC supplemental drafts. Like I said, should you be drafting freshmen? I put out a controversial article on DLF uh, this past weekend, and we got I got a lot of feedback, uh, good and bad. Uh, some people loved it, some people hated it. Some people you could tell did not read the article. And just looked at the headline. You gotta read the actual article with people. But <laughs> but first, let's get into some news and notes. I guess first and foremost, how are you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, but I mean, 1,700 words, that's a lot of reading. I don't know if I can uh, commit to all that. <laughs> you you and, and quite a few other people as well. <laughs> but... Um, uh, like I said, we have some news and notes here. We actually have a suspension, a major suspension, uh, with LaQuint Allen out of uh, Syracuse. And, you know, we, you and I were both pretty high on uh, Sean Tucker from last year. And obviously we know, like, things haven't really, like, worked out perfectly uh, going into the NFL with some you know, medical issues and all that kind of stuff. But now we have LaQuint Allen uh, taking over. Except for maybe he's not, because <laughs> now he's suspended for a year after. Uh, now, I might not, I don't, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what happened, but just from what I've read, it doesn't seem like he did anything all that terrible. Um, it, it seems like it might be a little bit of a stretch from Syracuse there, but, uh, you know, because essentially he just, he punched somebody twice is, is what everything that I've read. Um, and now he's being suspended for the entire year. Now, of course, he has. Uh, appealed that and actually I think he's also sued Syracuse uh, in order to you know try to get back onto the field so this is not over yet but what do you think of the whole uh, the whole suspension and then you know we can get into like is there anyone else that what you know could possibly fill Tucker's shoes if it if he is out for the year yeah I mean so Suspended for the season obviously seems like a lot. I think this came from the university, not necessarily from the football team, because he was hit with um, like a, a some sort of assault charge. I think it was like a third degree assault charge, which I'm guessing that's like the lowest one you can get, but um, probably still, you know, a misdemeanor, obviously. And like you said, I'm not sure exactly what happened. It happened way back in December at like a university uh, apartment complex, but we're just going to have to let this situation play out right now. He is uh, gone for the year as far as we know. So he's got to sue the the school to be reinstated here. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that ends up. Uh, as far as who's going to fill in for Sean Tucker or yeah, obviously he's gone. He's, he's with the Buccaneers now. Uh, I've got two names that I think are probably worth mentioning. I don't know that they're going to amount to anything, but the first one is Juwan Price, 
who actually transferred from New Mexico State after the 2021 season. But he he really did next to nothing last year. And I'm not entirely sure if there was an injury or something that was holding him back because he was basically the third string running back behind Allen and Tucker. And really, he didn't do anything. I don't, you know, he had under 20 carries, if I remember correctly, less, you know, around 100 yards, nothing crazy. Um, But I will say when he was at New Mexico State, he did have a solid season there with 26 catches and over a 10% breakaway run rate. So he could potentially be a guy to keep your eye on. He's he's around 205 pounds, so he's he's got you know relatively good size. The next guy that uh, I think has a chance to do something is a, a JUCO transfer who they brought in this season, uh, and that's Destin Hawkins, who ran for 1,164 yards and 18 touchdowns last year at Foothill College. Uh, but this guy only caught six passes, so honestly, if I'm – Reading the tea leaves, it feels like it's going to be kind of a a split backfield between either these two. I know they're bringing in a couple freshmen as well. Uh, They may have some sort of role. Uh, But if just looking at it from a pure CFF standpoint, like who's who do I think is going to get the majority of the touches? I'd put my money on Juwan Price right now. He's he's been there a year. He kind of knows the offense a little bit. Uh, He has that history of being a and every down back, even though it was with New Mexico State. So, uh, but I, I think if I had to put my money on one guy for CFF purposes, give me Juwan Price. Yeah, I think it's got to be. And like you said, maybe there was an injury or something we just don't know about uh, from last year because while Price was coming from a small school program and everything, he at least looked decent. Uh, at New Mexico State, and then he comes over to Syracuse and just doesn't even touch the ball. And I know, obviously, Tucker's a stud, and, and then even LaQuint was, you know, decent, to say the least. Um, so it's not that he was really needed, but usually you see somebody get more than eight touches, you know, so, you know, especially if like, they're like the third guy. So something doesn't seem right there, uh, but he, he didn't do anything amazing when he was at New Mexico State, but he... He touched the ball the majority of the times. He he did lead the team, even though it wasn't anything amazing. It was like 600 rushing yards, and and I think you said like, what, 20-something receptions. He didn't do anything overly amazing with those receptions, but I, I think that he would be the next man up. I mean, he's a fifth-year player. You know, you have a couple freshmen, you know, three-star prospects, like nothing, nothing crazy, and like no one else is jumping off the page. I really feel like if you're Syracuse and – not that they probably have high aspirations or high hopes or anything, but if you're them, you probably want LaQuint Allen back <laughs> like now. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, LaQuint, f- for what it's worth, y- y- you, you called him decent last year. I would say that's, uh, you know, a pretty fair assessment of what he was last year. But that entire offense uh, took a step back from what Sean Tucker did in 2021. So I think there's still some room to improve. Um, I believe is Garrett Schrader is he back this year or is he is he done? I don't, I'm not even entirely sure. I think they got a n- new quarterback now. I think you might be right. <laughs> we should probably know this, but uh, yeah, I I think I want to say that they had a transfer come in. Well, he was another big part of the. Uh, it does. I'm looking at our lads, and he is still listed as the starter, so he should he should still be there. But he's he's another guy that figures into the rushing game there at Syracuse. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of offense they they employ here. They you know the, the other guy in the offense that 
probably get some love in the Debbie circles would be the receiver Aranda Gadsden receiver slash tight end, whatever he wants to call himself these days. Um, so I think there's some opportunity here for a lot, somebody to stand up, but uh, I'm not sure it means anything for, for our Debbie purposes here. Complete tangent here, but with Gadsden, I mean, and I know that obviously our lads isn't like, you know, the gospel or you know, anything right. like that. But I mean, you know, they, they still have Gadsden listed as, you know, wide receiver. And I know that, uh, you know, Fantrax has given them tight end el- eligibility, but you know, I, I guess, is it just because of the eligibility, you know, part from Fantrax or like, has he actually come out and said that he's going to be a tight end? Because all I've really seen is just people saying that he's actually going to be eligible to be a tight end. I haven't actually seen anything saying he's like a hundred percent a tight end now. Well, if, if you look at Syracuse's website, he is listed as a tight end on their, on their website. So yeah. Okay. Well then our needs to, uh, Fix yeah. the shit. Well, that's right. <laughs> but we can we can take their word that uh, Garrett Trader will be back. I don't think they would mess that one up. So I don't know. I've I've seen. I maybe I should start stop using them, but I need to find a different uh, service because I've seen a couple things recently, and I was like, like there was one. I'm trying to remember who it was, but there was a running back, and he transferred over. And everything says, you know, spring practices, spring game. Everything is like he's the starter. He's the lead back. And they had him as like RB four on the depth chart, and I'm just like, all right, something's not right here. <laughs> so yeah. we might be dealing with similar things here with uh, with Gadsden, but all right, so that's good to know. So he is 100% a tight end, and LaQuint Allen needs to come back because I think their SOL. If I don't know, it's probably not going to be pretty regardless. But I think I was thinking of uh, Carlos Del Rio as the uh, as the transfer. Because I think he was somewhere else before, if I remember correctly. Um, I know he was he was with Florida for a while, but uh, that did not work out because Florida quarterbacks don't work out. That's just how it works in uh, Gainesville. <laughs> Speaking of quarterbacks, we have the Manning Passing Academy uh, happening recently, and now Devin Leary is getting a lot of love. And uh, it seems like every year somebody you know gets hyped up and and you know everyone just falls in love with uh, with players. Last year it was Will Levis, you know, you had Peyton Manning talking about how he's like the next great thing and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, now this year we have Devin Leary. Um, is it a Kentucky thing? <laughs> What's going on here? I don't. I, I thought uh, I thought Manning was the Tennessee guy. Yeah, that's a good point. But, um... That is odd, obviously, but uh, it feels so so similar to what happened with Levis, uh, maybe to a lesser extent here with Leary, because I don't think anyone's mocking him into the first round or anything just yet. Uh, but yeah, it's like deja vu. Uh, Kentucky is returning their offensive coordinator, Cohen, that did coach up Levis prior to his involvement with this Manning Passing Academy. But Leary was reportedly the most consistent guy at this camp. And I'm sure there's going to be some draft buzz that's soon to follow. ESPN actually did put out something a couple weeks ago that listed him as like a 2024 sleeper. Um, most people remember what Leary did in 2021 for NC State. Uh, you think, you know, he had over 30 touchdowns and looked pretty good. But then he came back last year. I think he had a pectoral injury. Didn't look nearly as good. Only had like 11 touchdowns to four interceptions. Um 
he'll definitely have some better weapons at Kentucky, but truthfully, I, I feel like Leary is even, you know, he's like a poor man's Will Levis. Um, he's never po- even posted a QBR over above 75. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength. He, you know, he's got similar accuracy. So I, you know, I'm not entirely sur- sure that this is a guy that you want to put your eggs in to that basket. But, you know, if he's getting this hype from an event like this, where, you know, you got guys like Peyton Manning and these, you know, guys that are well-respected QB coaches in the NFL that are saying, Oh, Devin Leary looked really good here. And then all of a sudden, you know, the mock drafts start coming out and he's in the late first round. Yeah. I mean, why not pick up a guy like Leary, even though he's going to be a sixth year guy, which is even worse than Will Levis again. Uh, but if he's a guy that's going to start getting talked about in NFL circles, then you might as well get him on the cheap now. And if you can, hopefully flip him before everyone finds out that he's he's trash. Yeah, I, I don't like playing that game because I feel like whenever I try to play that game, I just get caught with the bad player and no one wants him. And then I'm like, well, shit, what do I do now? And real quick, Toronto Dave, we see you in the chat. Appreciate you listening, buddy. I don't know what was going on. I could not get to the comments screen before, but here we are. We, we got you, Toronto. Uh, love you, buddy. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with uh, Peyton's eyes. Maybe they need to get checked. Uh, Will Levis was a major strikeout, and now, <laughs> and now uh, Devin Leary is essentially the same. I would argue, you know, or actually, I, I would agree with you that he's probably worse than Will Levis. And was it with you or was it with Aaron? I, I mix up co-hosts uh, from time to time where I was talking about the Will Levis line in the model. Um, You've definitely mentioned it to me. I don't know if it was off air or on air, though. Okay, yeah, so I added Will Levis back into the model um, for this year just so that I can always have that line and like know that I do not care about a single person that's beyond Will Levis. And we have Garrett Schrader, DJU, Rocky Lombardi, Spencer Rattler, Mitch Griffiths, uh, Will Rogers... And then you keep going, keep going, Devin Leary. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I want nothing to do with them. I don't know what the hell Peyton Manning is seeing in uh, in quarterback Devin Leary. It's always like a strange smattering of guys that they bring into this camp too. Like I think this year they brought in the guy from uh, Austin Austin Reed from Western Kentucky, and uh, Jordan Travis was there, I think. And I don't. It just feels like they they bring in these guys and say, "Oh, they look great. They, you know, they can operate this pro style offense." And yeah, I, I'm not sure I'd be trusting Peyton Manning for my quarterback evals. He, I mean, the guy can play, obviously, but uh, playing and coaching is different. Yeah, wasn't there a receiver that he said that was like was amazing too recently? Um, it, one of the rookies, he, he was talking like really highly about him and. It was not a good player. <laughs> Maybe it was Rasheed Rice. I can't remember who it was, but it was uh, not a good player. And yeah, I as smart as he is and was for actually, you know, playing quarterback. I don't know for whatever reason watching someone else do it. I don't know what he's looking for, but it, it, it's definitely not working out. I mean, with uh, with Leary, you don't even really have like the prototypical size and all that kind of stuff to where you would even say like, okay, well maybe we can mold this guy or you don't even have that. You know, he's like six foot two twelve or something around there. So yeah. I, 
I, I want nothing to do with Devin Leary. No, nope, I'm with you. All right. How are you doing on your beer? You need a break yet or are you good? I'm good right now. We can keep rolling. All right. All right. Well, screw a break then. Let's just dive right in, baby. Like I said, I put out that article on DLF. It is free. All of the Campus to Canton ones, at least for now, until they change their minds, are free. So you don't have to have a subscription to DLF to check my article out. Um, and it's all about you know CDC, Campus to Canton Leagues, and we dove into the supplemental drafts. Um, if you don't know what a supplemental draft is, if you're new to CDC, new to our show, whatever... You know, basically, you're just uh, think of it as a rookie draft in a dynasty league, except for you're drafting freshmen and you know other players that that missed the the draft from the previous season. So you're adding you know players that are, are available basically onto your team because obviously you've added players from your campus squad to your dynasty squad to your your Canton squad, the NFL side, and so you're trying to you know supplement that squad now. And the whole point of the article was, man, these freshmen do not hit. <laughs> they do not have a high hit rate. Um, and it doesn't seem like that ever gets talked about. You know, people just kind of say, or, you know, you draft your freshman and, you know, round five, you decide, okay, well, maybe I'll stop drafting freshmen. I'll start moving into other positions in the supplemental draft. And it's like, I don't know, man. The hit rates aren't too great, uh, but before we actually like dive into the article and all that kind of stuff, do you have any you know like quick thoughts? Uh, you know, just starting out. Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, I I didn't read the article, but I did gloss it over, and <laughs> the uh, the points were all there. Like the hit rates are not stellar, but they are still pretty good when you consider, um, you know, what we do in Debbie. Now, my only retort, I guess, would be that the the guys that end up going in the first round of dynasty rookie drafts, there you know, there's guys that were three and four stars that ended up producing, and then there's the guys that were at the top of their classes, like the uh, Miles Sanders and the uh, Josh Jacobs of the world, and I'm trying to think, like just more recently last year. Uh, You've got Bijan Robinson, who many considered to be the RB one of the uh, 2020 class, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, many considered to be the wide receiver one of that class, and then of course the quarterback C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young were like QB either one, two, or three. I think DJU was in that group as well, which obviously he ended up being a bust. But um, if you want to get those guys you, you got to take a chance and on some of these freshmen. And I realize like the hit rate's going to be in a lot of cases, you know, under 30%, but to get these top end talents, you kind of have to throw one of those darts to, to, to hopefully, you know, hit on one of those guys. Um, if you just ignore them completely, you know, you, yeah, you could get a Jordan Addison or Zay flowers um, or Devin Achain um even like josh downs i would say just using guys from last year obviously uh if you go back another year um you know there's there's uh like kenneth walkers and even chris alave i guess he was kind of a lower a high four star um these guys aren't getting drafted at the top of their freshman drafts but um 
so there's still people to to draft in the supplemental, but you're missing out on a whole, I would say, 40% of what ends up being the first round of of uh, Dynasty rookie draft. So unfortunately, it does come with a, a lot of risk, but I feel like it's worth it to try and get those guys on your team because you're not going to have a chance to, to do it after that supplemental draft. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest argument is, you know, people say, oh, well, it's the cheapest you're ever going to get a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or a Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever. I don't even know if that's 100% true, though. Like, you could pro probably have gotten Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, fairly cheap going into year two. You know, we, we even had arguments of, is he the best receiver on, uh, you know, on, on Ohio State? It, it, or, or is it a Mickey Ekbuka? And, and they're still pretty close. I mean, they're basically 1-2 in everyone's rankings now. So it's not like it's that crazy. <laughs> but, you know, there was discussions of at least, you know, that being possible. So, you know, with certain players, I think you can... Like, obviously... Caleb Williams gets onto the field, you know, year one and, you know, does what he does. You're probably never going to have a chance to get him again unless you feel like overpaying. But I don't think that there's, there's plenty of times where we talk about like, oh, this player, they weren't a year one zero, like C2C talks about, but, you know, they only put up 200 yards or whatever it might be. You still have an opportunity to go get those players later on at a cheaper price. Um, and the whole thing is that you were talking about 30%. Now, I only looked at four years, and I actually plan on going and looking more into it um, in my future article, which will probably be out in about two weeks. But uh, there, it was a 20% hit rate was the best year. Um, you know, there was a year where there was a 15% hit rate. Um, and then we have, you know, this past year with like Bijan and all, all that kind of stuff, that draft class, there's five players that could hit you know, in the NFL, but of course we don't, we have no idea yet. Like we're, we're assuming that Bijan's going to hit. We're assuming that, uh, you know, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are going to hit, but we, we don't know hundred percent and we can't say they, they, they've never hit. And the hit was a top 24 season at any of their positions. And now think about that. That's for QBs, a top 24 uh, season at that position. And there's QBs littered throughout those four years and yet we still only got like a 15%, 20% hit rate. And so, you know, you're, you're basically saying you have a one in five, one in five chance of being right when you're making those freshman picks, all things considered. Now, obviously there's, there's ways to be better at anything. You know, you can be better than just drafting off of two, four sevens ranks and all that kind of stuff. But you know, these are like the best scouts in the nation telling us who the best players are in the nation and if you're just going off of based off of the top 20, you know, for each year, you have about a 20% hit rate. And that's just not great. You know, if we uh, the, the first season I looked at was the 2017 recruiting class. And it was Najee Harris and Cam Akers to start it out. Donovan Peoples-Jones was the third best player in the entire nation. Uh, Davis Mills was the fourth best player in the entire nation. Now, T. Higgins, Jerry Judy... There's some better names. Kalon Laybourne, that's a big name, right? Uh, Hunter Johnson, Hunter uh, jo Joseph Lewis, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Tungabailoa, DeAndre Swift, Colby Parkinson, Jeff Thomas, Trevin Grimes, Jake Fromm, J.K. Dobbins, Tyjon Lindsay, D.J. Matthews, and Tate Martell. That's your top twenty from 2017. It just goes to show you, I mean, the, like the. How do you differentiate? Because, I mean, you have big-name players. You have uh, big-name schools, Georgia, Ohio State, like all this. You know, there's 
all kinds of stuff going on, and yet how can you even say like, oh, just go draft this from this squad or or whatever? There's hits and misses everywhere. You know, as we dive into it even more, you'll see. Just because it's Ohio State doesn't mean anything because uh, Julian Fleming was the like the third ranked wide receiver, or th- third ranked player in I think it was. Oh man, I thought I had it here, but uh, I think it was 2019. Fleming was up there in one of them. Uh, shoot, I don't see him anymore. But he was one of the highest ranked players, and we've never even seen him. You know put up what like 200 yards receiving or something like that in in three years and now you might say well he hasn't had a chance well that's true but he also hasn't gained any value if anything all he's done is lose value and what are his odds of hitting at this point slim to none and so you know all that to say i think there's certain things that we can do and that's what i discussed in the article there's certain things that we can do to at least give us a slightly higher hit rate and that doesn't mean don't draft freshmen, even though I named it Campus to Canton <laughs> series. Don't draft freshmen doesn't necessarily mean don't draft freshmen. It was more of a you know t- title to catch your attention, clickbait if you will. But you know it's it's don't don't just draft freshmen first of all, and you know like maybe draft the ones that are in the best positions, and you know maybe you have a thirty percent hit rate or 30% you know, chance at, at hitting by doing that kind of thing rather than taking the, the five-star player that went to Missouri and then make a bunch of excuses for why Luther Burden didn't actually hit. <laughs> and, he, and he's shaking his head because I finally got another Luther Burden one in there. But uh, so, so what do you think about that? I feel like I was talking for a while. No, I mean, I get it. Um, I feel like if you're just blindly throwing darts – at a board and it's just you have five-star freshmen 10 to 15 percent 20 percent hit rate for a top 24 season in the nfl that's i mean that's a pretty good cohort of you know hitting uh, at that any sort of position um it seems like the quarterbacks tend to be a little bit more accurate especially with the the five-star rankings especially recently um i know you know, you mentioned Davis Mills and a few other guys back then, um, where where they they weren't very good with their 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 ratings. But recently, like you know, we've had uh, just last year, obviously with Stroud and Young, they're five stars at the top of their class, and then Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Um, we won't talk Stroud about Stroud was a four star. Oh, oh, was he a four star? What, what yeah, was he, he was ranked a in the class he- though? Like sixteenth? No, come on, really? I'm telling drafted. you, I'm looking at it right now. It was Bryce Young, Julian Fleming. That's I, I couldn't find him earlier. He was second in the class. Eric Gilbert, DJU, Bijan, Zach Evans, Demarcus Bowman, Darnell Washington, Kayshawn Boutte, Demond Demas, Raheem oh. Jarrett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Michael Mayer, Jordan Johnson, Tank Bigsby. C.J. Stroud, Marshawn Lloyd, Gary Bryant Jr., Jace McClellan, and Kendall no. Milton. See, all right, I'm looking at the composite ranking right now. He was the second-rated pro-style quarterback, which they don't do that delineation anymore, and the 42nd overall prospect in the country. So he was, I think he was getting drafted as QB3 that year because DJU and um, yeah. 
Bryce Young. Yeah, he, he was QB3, but he was the 16th overall player in their composite ranks. Um, oh, o- offensive player, like offensive skill yeah. position, I should say. Like not So, yeah, he was the 42nd overall, but that's with O-line and all that. So, like, I right, just right. – I took all the all those players out, so he was okay. the sixteenth. He was the sixteenth skill position player um, in that class. So I mean, you can't even say like, "Oh, yeah, he was amazing." Now you can say he went to Ohio State, but you know, DJU went to Clemson, and he was the the fourth ranked player. You know, you got to draft DJU. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because this this Debbie game is you're never going to have like a perfect system where you're going to hit even 50% of the time ever. Uh, So you just kind of look for those pockets where you can maybe generate a little bit of a higher hit rate. And it tends to be, you know, these five-star, a high four-star guys that end up being in the first round of dynasty rookie drafts um, when, when they come around Um, even, you know, like a, a guy like Zach Charbonnet was one of the higher rated running backs and he had to stay four years, but it, he he still ends up being a first round dynasty rookie pick. So I it's it's very tough because you don't want to be like, oh well, you know, you're only hitting ten percent of the time because that's ten percent hit that you're getting a actual decent season. Because for me in Devi, a hit rate, I, I like to think of a hit as just being drafted and with with decent draft capital i don't know if that i have like an actual line of demarcation there but if a guy is getting drafted and then he he then has dynasty value outside of debbie value and he's worth like a third round pick now or a second round pick now in rookie in terms of rookie pick value then i feel like that's kind of a hit because he's he's he was worth nothing previously he wasn't scoring any points now he now he has value um, which is hard to do in Debbie, uh, just in general. You, you, you know, you mentioned Demond Demas and Julian Fleming. Those guys aren't going to be worth anything. A, a guy Hall, who who I thought was going to be the second coming of, I don't know who, but Jerry Rice. After that spring game he had his freshman season, now he's he can't even get on a football roster. So <laughs> it's it's tough to to hit you know, at, at any sort of alarming rate. Um, and I, I mean, the article, which I did a very, very thorough skim of, uh, it, 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 it touches on all the, the relevant information. Like it's not a perfect science. You're going to miss more than you hit. Um, but at the same time, if you look at it from the converse, the, the reverse angle of the lens, in order to get the guys that do hit, you kind of have to dabble in that in that playing field. Yeah, and, and like that's that's the tough part because the point of the article was really I've been given this article series and I want to put out you know good stuff, but I mean there's nothing going on right now, <laughs> so you know I'm just like sitting there going, well, what the hell can I write about? First of all. Um, I think I did a pretty good job, you know, coming up with it and everything. I got a lot of feedback, you know, people saying like, I've never seen this before. You know, like no one's ever talked about this before. You know, it's just like, you just draft your freshman. Like you don't even have to think about it. And you know, I'm, I'm not saying don't draft the freshman. I'm just saying, you know, what if there's a better way? And the, the one of the examples that I used in the article was like, think about 
And, and I just I took four wide receivers from this past class that are now rookies in the NFL. And I, th- I said, think back to last year, how people felt about Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Jaden Reed, and Marvin Mims. Now, Josh Downs was considered one of the top guys, but oh, so many people were just like, He's never going to be a thing. He's five foot nine, you know, one hundred and seventy-five pounds. You know, he's never going to be anything but a slot receiver. And even then, are you ever going to want him? Um, guess what? He got drafted. You know, pretty early. People are still you know overly excited about him. Zay Flowers drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. People hated Zay Flowers until uh, until he got drafted in the first round. Jaden Reed. Hardly anyone besides us ever talked about Jaden Reed or ever even mentioned his name. I mentioned his name a lot during the last offseason. I think you were with me, but I, I you know, th- that you liked him as well. I, and now, guess what? He got drafted pretty damn early, and he's getting hype, and, you know, he, he's probably going to be the wide receiver one for uh, for Green Bay. That's right. Take that, Christian Watson lovers. And then, uh, and then you know, Marvin Mims is getting a lot of hype in, in Denver as well, and he was drafted, you know, pretty early. Now, all of those guys are are have different values and should have different values. I'm not trying to like, you know, put them together to say like, oh, you know, send a first round pick for these guys or whatever. I'm saying at any point during the last year, you could have sent a future pick for any of those four players or all four of those players, and you have a much higher chance of hitting because they were already hitting, but people had question marks like, oh, Jaden Reed this, and you know, uh, Marvin Mims. I don't even know what the question marks for Marvin Mims were. Like, he was just always good. I don't, I don't get it. People, like, hated him because he went to Oklahoma or something like that. Zay Flowers and Josh Downs, oh, they're too small. And, and Zay Flowers is on a team that sucks. Well, it's like, okay, but he's really freaking good. So it doesn't matter if he's on a bad team. He's really good on a bad team. But you can go get these guys when they're, you know, when they're not, or when they're undervalued, they're not valued properly. And then you have a, a much higher chance. And the reason why I use those four players is they're in a tier in my model that I've gone back and I've done the whole R squared and all that kind of stuff to figure out, you know, what are the odds of success? They're all in a tier of 40% hit rate, meaning a top 24 season, at least a 40% hit rate. So like now you've already doubled your odds of them being a, suc- a success in the NFL by using future draft capital from your supplementals for by trading, you know, trading for those players. It's not always going to work out. You can't, like I said, you can't get a Caleb Williams right now unless you send three first or, you know, whatever it might be. So it's not always going to work out. But I feel like every year there's at least a handful of guys that are just not valued properly in season or at least before the NFL draft. And then all of a sudden the NFL draft happens and people are like, well, yeah, of course I want Zay Flowers. He's a stud. He was a first round pick, you know? Yeah, I'm when you talk about it from that perspective, like if if you're saying, "Oh, I've got this first round supplemental pick," it's not even it's like in the second half of the draft. Maybe I'll just throw out an offer and see if I can get Zay Flowers for it, or if I can get uh, Marvin Mims for it. That I I mean I get I I think that's that's uh, uh, something that you should make. I'm trying to think of like who who would be somebody that you'd want to do that for this year, um, kind of just like an under the radar type of player. Who, who's just sort of um, goes to work and performs well every day. I don't know. Do you have anyone on, that you would, you'd recommend? 
I mean, you know, I'm always going to talk about Bucky Irving, especially since our C2C boys hate him. And, you know, we, we discussed that on the on the Debbie debate, and then I've actually talked with them on Twitter, uh, doing talking, you know, the same debate since then. They just do not like Bucky Irving. And, you know, and, but the thing is, you don't have to send a first-round pick for Bucky Irving. You know, and, and same thing with Jaden Reed and, and even Marvin Mims from last year. You wouldn't have had to send a first. You probably could have gotten them for a third or a fourth or or, or even beyond that. I mean, Jaden Reed was almost a forgotten player, uh, you know, that you could have added in a lot of leagues. But um, yeah, definitely Irving is one. You know, I think like a JJ McCarthy. Like people hate JJ McCarthy, but he he's been pretty damn good in college. They're hyping the hell out of him right now in uh, you know in Michigan. And, you know, everything they're talking about throwing more, they're talking about, you know, giving giving him more of the offense and handing over the reins, all that kind of stuff. If he ends up being the third QB in, in this next upcoming draft class and you sent a third round supplemental draft, you know, pick for him or something like that, like that's when you say, okay, well now I have a, I have better odds of hitting on a JJ McCarthy. Now, does that mean he's going to hit? No, but if you have... 30%, 40% odds rather than 20% or 15% odds, you're helping your team. I will just say, like, I think I agree with you mostly because when I enter my supplemental drafts, like the first round, I I typically, if I can get one of the five-star quarterbacks, I grab them because there's five of them in this, in this freshman cycle. And then if I can't hit one of them, I grab either Cedric Baxter or one of the two wide receivers, whether it be um, Jonte Cook or Zachariah Branch. And I feel like those are the guys that I would take in the first round. And I can usually get them at some point, you know, no matter where I'm drafting from there. And then in the second round, I may take a freshman. If I do, it's Roderick Robinson from Georgia. But if he's not there, I really just, I, I end up fading freshmen until we get to like the seventh round where I pick up guys like, um, Austin Novosad or, um, I can't, I, pretty much Novosad is the only guy that I'm really, uh, oh, uh, Caleb Hicks from Illinois, uh, another running back that I think is a little underrated as a freshman, but for the most part, I'm with you. Like I, I just, maybe the first two rounds I'm, I'm getting those freshmen. And then after that, I'm, I'm looking at other guys that are available uh, in the draft, like, uh, Dominic Lovett or, uh, Malik Benson or uh, Jordan Tyson, Dorian Singer, uh, guys that have, have already you know put it up on the field. So I I I, I get what you're saying, uh, and I think I, for the most part I do agree with you. I don't know where I was going when I started talking here, um, but I think you just wanted to say you agree with me like a hundred times. I mean that that's basically where you were going. No, basically, but. I, I guess I've never really approached it supplemental drafts with trading in mind. And it's probably because I just don't have enough time. Um, but I'm just looking at like some of the wide receiver rankings. Like would I trade a, a supplemental first for Tet McMillan? Yeah, I'd probably do that right now. And you would have better odds because he's already done yeah. something. And that's, and that's the point is there's so many different, and that's why it's difficult to put out too many examples because there's right. so many different options and players and you have no idea. There's still people that don't like Tet, even mm -hmm. though like w what he did last year. And honestly, like the, the more and more you look at it, it's like he was the third fiddle 
in Arizona, and he still put up 700 yards as a true freshman. <laughs> like it's, I don't know. It's it's really weird. The the people that don't like Tet that that blows my mind. But you know, I'm thinking my mind went completely blank earlier when you said, you know, how do you or like who would you be going after this year? But I I brought up my list and I'm like Dorian Singer, duh. Like it, he's right there. People are a lot of people hate Dorian Singer and think he's just going to be completely trash in at USC. But if it was almost any other player, or if there weren't two five-star wide receivers going to USC this year, I think we'd have completely different conversations about a player that just dominated last year and now transferred to USC with Caleb Williams, and people would be losing their minds about that. And so, once again, does that guarantee Dorian Singer's going to hit? No. Does he have better than a 20% chance at this point? Yes, he does. So that's the kind of stuff. Go get Dorian Singer. Go get like an Antoine Wells Jr. I think he, uh, you know, you can get him extremely cheap, and yet he has better than a 20% chance of, of hitting. You know, players like that, you know, I think that I would rather have than, you know, a lot of players that are that are being hyped, like overly hyped right now. And you can get them a lot of times a lot cheaper. So I'm not even always saying like, oh, you got to go send your first round pick. Like use your first round pick on one of those five-star QBs, whatever, take that shot. But then maybe that second round pick, maybe that third, the fourth, you know, like that's when I'm saying use those picks because you can probably get some pretty damn good players. And, you know, that's why I like going back and we don't have all the answers right now. But I have a lot of the same feelings about a Dorian Singer, about Antoine Wells Jr., uh, about e- even like a, a going even further, like a Tory Horton, you know, somebody like that, uh, you know, like that could just be a flyer that hits, you know, a small school guy that hits later on. I I like a lot of those players, and you can get them cheap, and that's kind of how I felt about uh, about Josh Downs and and, and uh, Jaden Reed and Marvin Mims and all that kind of stuff last year. And now it, it's paying off. You know, I, I I have a lot of Marvin Mims because of you know how I how I felt about him last year, and, and I'm basically doing the same thing with these players now. Yeah, and like I'm kind of nearing the end of my supplemental draft season here, so I don't know how much I'll be able to employ this, but um, definitely like the second round of supplemental is where it just sort of turns into the wild west for for me a lot and probably a lot of people because you know, you've got the second wave tier of freshmen who probably hit at a far less rate than those upper five-star guys. And then, yeah, it's just, you know, guys that are transferring places that we think are going to have more opportunity. And then guys like um, uh, Dorian Singer, who happens to be a transfer as well, but uh, guys who had a good season for a power five school and now, you know, we're kind of putting them on our Debbie radar. So um, I, I feel like, you know, if, if you can go out and get guys like Tet McMillan for these supplemental picks, uh, and that was just off the top of my head. I'm just, you know, look, like Malik neighbors, I would absolutely take him for a, for a supplemental first, but I don't know if that's something that you could get done, but maybe. It might take a little more than a, than a first at this point. You know, I yeah. feel like people, basically consider him a hit and, and rightfully so like he should be valued that way uh because he's already hit you know like he's already been that good and so you should have to pay up for him or but, like you know, uh, sometimes i was go just ahead. gonna say xavier worthy too now people might have some question marks after last season 
he's a guy that you know I could toss out a pick for because maybe somebody wants to get out of their Xavier Worthy. That's a great example because you know he had a broken hand last year. He's smaller. You know, it's kind of a lot of the same things with like Josh Downs from last year. You know, oh man, like. He could be good, but he's never going to be amazing in the NFL because he he's small or you know or, or he can't catch. And then of course we find out he had a broken hand the entire season. You know stuff like that. It's like, oh maybe this guy that dominated his freshman year that like didn't look right in his sophomore year. Maybe there's a reason for it. But uh, yeah, Worthy's a perfect one because like he's already hit better odds than you know the fifteen twenty percent because of that, and yet you still have your doubters. Um, you know, I, I don't even think that it would take a, a eh, maybe it would, but like, I think you might be able to get him for a late first or even possibly an early second or like an early second and a player or something like that. Like there's definitely ways to, to play around with it. And, you know, you can still use your first on going to get that, that new freshman that you absolutely love with or fell in love with. But then, you know, you, you can go get a, an Xavier worthy or somebody like that after that. Nice. I like it. I'm learning and, things today. <laughs> See, and you know, like you said, not a lot of people think about trading because a lot of people have issues valuing players in C2C leagues. Right. Well, maybe that's what we should start focusing on now is being the first grouping of people that actually does start trading and doing all that and taking advantage of the people that can't value them. It's like, well, it's just like in your, your rookie drafts in a dynasty league or a Debbie league or whatever, your Debbie picks. Oh man, you know, I'm on the clock. Like I really want this player right now. And you can take advantage of that and say, all right, well, you know, here's that shiny new uh, draft pick that you always wanted. And, you know, just give me Xavier worthy. He wasn't even that good last year. Right. All right. And then, so the only other option or the only other uh, example that I gave of another way to, up your odds or up your chances of hitting was uh, kind of the opposite. Okay, so you know maybe you drafted uh, Luther Burden, you know you drafted DJU, you dr- you drafted whoever. As soon as they don't hit, or as soon as they show you that they're not hitting, or at least to the level that you thought, it's just it's time to get out. You know, it's time to, to be quick about getting out. And that doesn't mean that they won't hit. It doesn't mean you'll be 100% right, you know, and that they won't turn around or maybe they had a, you know, they had a broken hand or they had whatever. But just getting out early when you're dealing with something with as low of odds as 15 or 20%, if you get out early, you're going to up or increase your chances of actually hitting just because, okay, people still value Luther Burden as a top 12 wide receiver. They still value um, Cade Klubnik as a top five QB in in C to C leagues right now. Cade Klubnik did not look very good, you know, when he was actually on the field, and it was a decent sample size. So I mean, you know, you can't even say, oh, it was you know eight passing attempts or whatever. Like, no, dude threw like 120 passing attempts or whatever it was. Uh, Branson Robinson, you know, your boy, <laughs> you know, that, that you love to hate on, didn't look all that amazing in. In like what sixty something rush attempts, you know, didn't have all that many breakaway run rate, you know, break breakaway runs. He didn't do a lot of things that we want to see. He had a lower PPR points per touch. Doesn't mean he won't hit. It doesn't mean you know, but he's still valued as a top twelve running back right now. You can sell him as a top twelve running back. You can get more 
uh, supplemental draft picks by doing that, you know, trade them for a, a player and a pick or trade them for two picks or whatever it might be. Now you have multiple picks in the second round, in the first round, wherever, that you can go take another shot. Just by doing that, just by having more dart throws, you know, more darts to throw, you're increasing your chances of hitting on somebody. So I think that's another way is just being able to quickly move on from a player and not just absolutely falling in love with them. Like, I like Branson Robinson. I want Branson Robinson to be a thing. Like, dude looks like he should be a stud. He, if you, just, if you, just, you know, looking at that guy, he should be an NFL running back. He might not be an NFL running back, you know, it's, and so you just you have to actually look at what happened on the field and be just be able and willing to move on quickly and then make you 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 kind of re-roll and get that second chance at, you know, possibly getting somebody that's going to hit in year 1 and now you feel a lot better about everything. Yeah, I don't really have much to add there. I I mean, I totally agree. I think it's, it's one of those things that I have a harder time practicing than I do preaching just because, I don't know, it, I, the, the idea of like trading and finding a trade partner sometimes is overwhelming to a lot of us, I think. But um, if you can be proactive about it, and especially the guys you brought up were great examples, and, you know, just trying, even if you're taking a little bit of an L on the value, you're still getting most of what their perceived value is hopefully in a trade. And I think that's, that's good enough. And like you said, you could be wrong and they could still hit. And I think you just have to look at it as a numbers game. Like, well, that was the one that went against all of, you know, what our data says and they, they actually ended up hitting and that's okay because I missed on him that I got rid of, but I got out of these four other guys. So it was a net gain. So I, yeah, I don't, that's kind of what, how I feel about it too. No, I agree. It's, it's going to be difficult and it's never going to feel good. You know, you're always going to feel like, oh man, what if, what if, what if, but I think you are actually increasing your odds of, of doing it or of hitting by doing something like that. And that doesn't mean, you know, go every time somebody, you know, like, think of like a Garrett Wilson or like a Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and, you know, like I don't want to only talk about Ohio state players, but they're just the first that came to mind. You know, they, they didn't do much in year one. And then they have, you know, of course blow up in, in their sophomore seasons, but like we can use context and say, okay, this player didn't get onto the field until you know the, the final week of the year. And then he dominated for 162 receiving yards and three touchdowns. That's not the same as Luther Burden being on the field for 13 games and giving us 380 uh, receiving yards uh, for an entire season. Like those are not the same thing. So we can use context and say, okay, this player I'm ready to move on from this one. I'm not. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, uh, check out the article there, you know, there's more to it in, in there. Obviously we can't go over everything. And like I said, I'm going to be diving in even further, uh, on the next article. I haven't quite figured out which way I'm diving in. If I'm going to go further back into the years, um, you know, and, and try to figure out, you know, like, does it go up if we, you know, go back, you know, are we going to have some 50% hit rates and stuff like that? I don't think we will, but yeah, who, who knows? Or you know I can go deeper. Do we do we want to look at the top fifty on um, you know two four seven and, and you know go from there and try to figure out is maybe is there a better hit rate at a certain point of the rankings like that kind of thing. 
so I haven't quite figured that out yet. If you have an idea, if you have an opinion of which way I should go or a different direction, uh, just let me know. Slide into the DMs, hit us up here, uh, you know, whatever you want to do, and let me know. How are you doing on your beer now, Andy? I do need a new one. All right. Well, then let's go ahead and you know what? We're going to bring it back, baby. We're going to go ahead and hit that intro and uh, start the show. And we're back. Yeah. And of course, by start the show, I mean we're going to go ahead and end the show here. But we do have one more section. Um, and I actually just realized, I don't know why I completely skipped over the part of the Big Ten preview um, that you said. I just read, pick your favorite Debbie asset. Oh. <laughs> and, and so now I'm going to have to change my list because they were definitely not Big Ten players. Or at least not both of them. Uh, so I'm going to have you start, but basically we're going to be picking our favorite uh, overrated or our the most overrated player and the most underrated player from the Big Ten, at least in our opinion. Um, why don't we start off negative? Let, let's start off with the overrated player there. Well, I mean, I could go all in on Drew Aller again for the week, but uh, I think I've adequately stated my feelings on him. So I'll stay away from that discussion for this week. But it is def if you're talking most overrated in the Big Ten, it is definitely Drew Alar. Um, I, I'll switch it up. Uh, I'm going to say Dallin Hayden, uh, who is the running back at Ohio State, who had a couple of good weeks last year when literally the entire roster was injured uh, with Trevian Henderson, Mayan Williams, obviously Evan Pryor missed the whole season with the ACL. Um, but he, I think right now he's uh, running back 24 on the C2C rankings. I don't know what his ADP is. I'd imagine it's probably somewhere around there. Um, he, again, he's undersized. He's, he's, he's at, he comes in at 195 pounds. Not really a prolific pass catcher. He only had four catches last year in the, I think he had 120, 125 snaps, somewhere around there. Yards per route run was under 0.5. And now, like we, I mentioned Evan Pryor, he's supposedly coming back this year. Um, so Dallin Hayden could end up being the fourth string running back on that team right now. And it's Ohio State, so we know that there's probably a slew of four- and five-star freshman running backs coming behind him in this season and the year after that. So at RB24, even if he's in your top 50 running backs, I think that's a little too high for a guy who doesn't have NFL size and probably won't see much of the field this year unless the whole backfield is injured again, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, but, I mean, that's basically it. If, if you've got Dale and Hayden, which I know I've got a couple, now might be the, the time to uh, move on from him. I completely agree with you. In fact, I'm 
uh, in on short notice, I'm having trouble figuring out who I want my overrated guy to be. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and double down here with Hayden. And it's not just doing that because I can't find one. Um, I just talked about him on the Debbie devotional last week about how I want absolutely nothing to do with them. He's not in my top 100 uh, CDC running backs. And, uh, you know, like it, it just he everyone else that touched the field for Ohio State looked pretty damn good at least in small samples, small bursts, like that kind of thing. Dalen Hayden didn't do shit. Like he, like he didn't have big-time run rate. He didn't have PPR point touch, you know, per touch. Like He didn't do hardly anything, and he just does, doesn't look like the same kind of player. And like you said, there's a very good chance that he's going to be the RB4 on this team this year, and yet he's being treated like he's you know an Ohio State running back, and he is, but it's like Kendall Milton's a Georgia running back. Eh. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to throw a Kendall Milton stray out just like that, yes. but <laughs> at least he's starting over there. For I mean, assuming his hamstring isn't completely just ground beef at this point in time, but um, yeah, you got me all flustered with Kendall Milton, that guy, man. I I didn't I I hate that I turned into a Kendall Milton sympathist because it it doesn't feel good when this sort of thing happens to him, but uh, just as Keep on track with Dalen Hayden. Yeah, you mentioned it. Big time run rate wasn't there. He's not catching passes, so he's not sized appropriately for NFL purposes. And you know, if he's going to be that scat back guy, you'd want to see some some sort of uh, usage in the passing game, which he didn't get. Even though he did get some a couple weeks there where he was a starter. So, yeah, uh, all out on Dalen Hayden. Uh, I think. I think I've got at least one share of him for, in one of my leagues. I got to make sure I move on from that because um, I don't think I don't think he's going to see much of the field this year. And like I said, it's Ohio State's a big program. Things move fast there. It just takes one big recruit to come in, like Travion Henderson, and all of a sudden, Dallin Hayden's never heard from again, and then he ends up transferring to Northern Illinois or something. <laughs> I think the the more I'm looking at at Big Ten players here in my ranks and everything I'm, I'm just realizing it's i don't even know that there are that many overrated players they're either really really good or no one gives a shit about them <laughs> you know, like it's it's there's really no in between or at least not too much of an in between uh like you said maybe you know like a drew alar or, or somebody like that you know you could say they, they haven't done it yet you know and, and maybe you even say you know, Kyle McCord or somebody like that. I just, but it's, it's a lot of like, Oh, we just haven't seen it yet. I don't know that I'm necessarily calling that overrated. Now, last year you could have probably said Devin Brown, Kyle McCord, like those, those players were easily overrated this year. It seems like people are kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, and realizing that, you know, maybe neither one of them are all that amazing. Um, but yeah, I think the Dalen Hayden there is a good one. So we'll stick with that for the overrated. And then I'll go ahead and start out with uh, the underrated player. And it was a player I just named, but it's also a player that I truly do believe is going to be a quality uh, NFL QB, and it's J.J. McCarthy. Uh, you know, I really do think that he's not getting the love because they don't pass a lot. But, you know, it's one of those things, like I was talking about with Zay Flowers earlier, like just because the offense doesn't work a certain way doesn't mean that you don't look at the player and go, what did the player do? Okay, well, J.J. McCarthy had a 5.5% uh, big-time throw rate. Caleb Williams had a 6% big-time throw rate. Not too shabby, right? Uh, 
JJ McCarthy had 10.7 intended air yards or the average depth of targets. Like he's pushing the ball down the field. He's not just doing little dinks and dunks to the running back or whatever. He's, he's literally pushing the ball down the field a full yard beyond Caleb Williams. And I'm, and I'm not comparing him to Caleb Williams. I'm just trying to show that these stats are actually pretty damn good. He had uh, 0.88 PPR points per touch. Caleb Williams had 1.08. So not quite there, but I mean, it still shows that he, um, you know, that he's, he's putting up points, you know, he's getting a little bit of rushing, he's throwing touchdowns, he's doing all that kind of stuff. The biggest thing is just that you know, he doesn't throw as much as, as these, uh, these other teams or these other players. And so people just want to hate on the offense. But like I said, they've uh, talked about the offense expanding this year, throwing more, he's looking better in his third season, all that kind of stuff. Everything that we see from J.J. McCarthy hits the thresholds of what I would want in an NFL QB. And yet he seems to get no respect whatsoever from anyone uh, when it comes to actually like talking about like, or who's going to be the next big guy that's going to take the third QB spot in the 2024 class. It's rarely JJ McCarthy out of anyone's mouth, but I really think that it should be. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I mean, I like Riley Leonard, but I understand that that's a bit of a pipe dream. Um, and if you're just like, you know, when I when I think of a QB, um, I feel like the, the stat that I rely on the most is QBR. And J.J. McCarthy tends to be in that upper level. Of, hovers around 80. And you mentioned the ADOT and the yards per attempt. You know, everything's good. He, he can still throw it downfield. He just isn't asked to do it because they've got Blake Corum who's going to just – you just give Corm the ball and you, you'll get down the field and score a touchdown in most cases that in the games that Michigan plays. And then they've also got um, Donovan Edwards, who is a dynamic running back out of the, out of the backfield in the pass game. So it's just this, the way this offense operates is JJ McCarthy's just not asked to do a lot, but when he does do it, he looks good. Um they really don't have that big deep threat wide receiver. I mean, Colston Loveland is probably like their best deep threat and he's a tight end on the team. So it, it's, it's, it's a weird team. It's a weird offense that uh, Jim Harbaugh employs there. It's definitely an old school, big 10 offense. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you can't really make too many comparisons because he isn't really asked to, to pass as much. And that's kind of like what we've seen with quarterbacks going in the NFL now is they just pass a ton, like the Kenny Pickett's of the world. And it would be odd to see somebody like that get drafted in the first round. But I, I think the talent's there. It's just a matter of, you know, can he, if he's asked to do it more, which he would be in the NFL, obviously, is uh, anything going to, you know, be hindered or lose some some sort of the uh, uh the efficiency once once he's asked to pass more and he doesn't have that run game to uh be supported by so i don't know i like i like him too i think he's he's definitely underrated yeah and obviously going back to talking about you know like the trading the supplemental picks and all that kind of stuff like now is the time to take that shot because he's not valued there and so you can get him for that that third or fourth round pick or whatever. It, later on, if he does hit, if they do let him throw more, if he if he takes that next step forward, you're not going to be able to get him 
Because, you know, that, and you, know, you say you can never get a QB cheaper than this or that or whatever. Like, shit, you can get J.J. McCarthy pretty damn cheap right now. So if he, if he ends up hitting, then you're going to feel pretty damn good about yourself at that point. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, he's he's one of those guys that's, you know, he was a five-star quarterback coming in, and he he's never really had, like, that dynamic, big, huge season uh, where he just shoots up the rankings, but he's, he, he's been fine. I mean, he won the job from Cade McNamara last year, who was a guy that just took them to the playoffs of the season before and forced Cade McNamara out of town. I, I think that doesn't really get talked about enough because I mean, that's not something that's easy to do. This is an incumbent quarterback that just took a team to the college football playoff. And I understand that people kind of thought that it was going to be JJ McCarthy just because of the recruiting pedigree but he still like did it. And then he came out and played really well. I would say last year with, like I mentioned with his accuracy, QBR, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean like what I was getting at is his values just sort of always hovered around that. Just the fringe of the top 10 QBs never really in the top 10. So I think he's a value. Uh, if you can go, we're talking supplemental picks last time. If you could trade like a like you mentioned a second or third round pick for him, who especially in C two C, you got a starting quarterback who, on I would say most weeks could could get you at least starting quarterback uh, numbers. I'm not saying he's going to be like a top ten CFF guy, but um, for QB two, I, I think he's he's worth a start in in some formats. But I don't know. Going off on JJ yeah, no. McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually just looking at it because I remember watching the uh, the the game versus TCU in the playoffs this last year, and I remember thinking like he looked pretty damn good in the game. Like he had some rushing, he had some uh, he put up fifty two yards rushing and a touchdown, and he he uh, threw thirty four attempts, twenty yard or twenty uh, completions for three hundred and forty three passing yards and two touchdowns. Now he also had two interceptions, but. I mean, that shows that, like, they opened up for that game. They were trying to win. You know, like, they, they opened up the playbook. They opened up everything for uh, them to try to beat TCU. And I want to say, wasn't that game close? Uh, I don't remember the yeah. actual score now. Yeah, it was, no, they... it was 51-45. It, it came down to, like, the last couple seconds. Like, they could have won that game. I don't remember what happened, but I want to say there was even, like, a fluke play or something that they kind of made it well... weird. So they fumbled at like the one yard line in the first half. Yeah, it didn't it was Corum or no, no, Corum was hurt. Never mind. No, it, it was it was Donovan Edwards. No, yeah, it was, it, was it might have been the guy it might have been Tavi Dunlap or somebody. But um it was it was one of those guys fumbled at the one and then those two interceptions that you mentioned, he only had like four on the year, but two were in that game, and I think they were both pick sixes. So that oh, kind of man. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of that's bad sways the game quite a bit too because they had all the momentum and and then uh yeah yeah i I just remember i don't want to call it fluky but like i just remember it being you know like weird or whatever like it wasn't just like oh the best team won it was kind of like oh man i don't know something something could have easily swung the other direction like that kind of thing but the point is like they were able to put up points he was able to to be prolific for that one game at least. So, I mean, if they kind of open it up even more this year, he could easily do that. And I don't think we're going to expect, like you said, a guy that threw four picks the entire season 
uh, to to have too many more pick sixes like that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. All right, enough about JJ McCarthy. We've talked about him quite a bit tonight. Uh, but who's your underrated player? All right, so I I stuck with running backs, and this is a guy who I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's like a future NFL stud. But uh, I'm going with uh, Devin Mockaby from Purdue. Again, a little undersized at 195 pounds, but he's really like the only running back in the room that's, and he's probably going to have a three down roll. He had over an 8% reception market share last season, ran for nearly a thousand yards, despite like he didn't have more than 15 carries in a game until like week seven. Um, if, if I had to compare him, and I know we talked about Roman Hemby, Will Shipley last year. I think he's like right in that same mold, like sub, just sub 200, uh, gets a lot of that dink and dunk pass work. And then I think he's a little bit of a better runner than those two, uh, but he's still like, uh, you know, he, he has under two breakaway yards per attempt. Uh, his breakaway run rate is sub 10%. So but he's RB80, and we're talking, you know, Roman Hemby last week. We were saying, you know, people have him around the top 25, and then Will Shipley, top 15. So if if we're talking just based on a pure value standpoint, if he's tracking on the same as as those two guys, why why not take him at RB80 if you're, you know, you're essentially getting the same value, I think. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, I think there's a at least a handful of guys in my model that all put up pretty damn good numbers, but they're all right at that like 195, you know, like six foot 195. And so I, the BMI is just killing them. They're, they're sitting like a 26 BMI right now. And it's just like, man, if you could just put on a few more pounds, like get over 200, and it sounds so stupid, but I mean, these are the things that we're looking for for NFL running backs. Like you either have to be really, really good, like a Devin a Chain, you know, like a Jameer Gibbs, like a Bucky Irving, or you know, you you, you have to hit those certain thresholds. And so for Mockaby, we just need to see him gain a little bit of weight, and then I think he could probably skyrocket up, you know, at least my board. Um but I mean, even then, like I still have him a lot higher than RB eighty. <laughs> so I, I, I'm definitely with you on on that. He is. He seems to be underrated. Um, also, like a, a Roman Hemby, you know, like you said, that'd be another good one. But you know, I'm looking through Maccabee's numbers, and you know, nothing truly stands out as like amazing. He seems like a, a quality running back. But you know, once again, looking at that 26 BMI. In, at least in my model and my rankings, that's always going to kill you. And so it, it, it's dropping him quite a bit. In fact, I, I wonder, let's see, I have, let's say he was a 28 BMI instead. And then we look over here, he would be, he would move up 10 spots in my ranks just by going to a 28 BMI which would probably be like if he was 205 instead of 195, something like that. Yeah, or like magically became five foot ten instead of six. Yeah, feet. which <laughs> happens quite a bit, you know, like for these right. running backs. I swear, like who was it that was they they said he was like six foot two, 
and then he came out and he was six foot. I I swear there was a running back in this like rookie class that was supposed to be six foot two, and I was like, man, he's pretty damn tall. And then he was like six foot even, you know, two hundred and twenty pounds. Like maybe it was Roshan. I don't remember, but somebody was. Yeah, I just remember um, Mo Ibrahim was like all of a sudden. A, a miniature person five, when he came five foot four yeah. like one like 160 pounds i don't know what he was it wasn't that light but it felt like it once i once we learned about it like geez how little is this guy yeah people are so concerned about how small deuce vaughn was and meanwhile we literally have like a little person running around in uh <laughs> at minnesota it's just crazy like the teams will lie about these sorts of things on their rosters and depth charts i don't I don't understand the competitive advantage it gains gives them in a game to say Mo Ibrahim is 190 pounds when in reality he's like 175, but and he's like five seven whatever he was. But um, yeah, I'm not sure why they do that, but they do do it. And I know somebody, maybe it was Chris Moxley a couple of years ago, did like a whole study on like which schools are the worst at it, like who lies about their their people's weight the most and i I don't i mean i don't know what the results were off the top of my head but i thought that was kind of a fun exercise too yeah absolutely um but hopefully makabee can either gain some weight or lose some inches which you never want to do uh but you know in his case it might be a good thing (laughs) (laughs) right all right, well, that's enough for our Big Ten preview and uh, enough for the pod. We really do appreciate you guys listening. Uh, but real quick before we get out of here, I just wanted to say we were recently on the Campus to Canton pod, the Debbie debate. Uh, Andy and I went on there as a pair and uh, had a lot of fun with Felix Sharp and Matt Bruning. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to that one in particular, definitely go check it out. Uh, but more importantly, make sure that you're you know listening to the the CDC boys, uh, you know, listening to the Debbie debate, and I mean they have so many good shows. They put out a lot of great content, and you know honestly, if you know you want to try to gain an advantage on you know getting beating that fifteen to twenty percent that I was talking about, uh, going to CDC and checking out their freshman and supplemental guide and stuff like that is probably a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Like, had a ton of fun on Debbie Debate. Uh, that was a couple weeks ago now. Feels feels like yesterday, but unfortunately, they're the ratings giant of uh, Wednesday night. So I'm sure people catch us on the podcast version the next morning. But uh, that's fine. You know, if if we're gonna come in second place, I, I don't mind it being uh, Campus Canton. Like, tons of fun. I'd love to, you know, maybe have them on our show again, or we can go over there again. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But. Uh, uh, I know that they they reached out and said that they had a great time too, but so it's it's just one of those things where you know everybody just has a good time and there's there's nothing to be upset about there. Absolutely, it was great. Yeah, we'll have to reach out and see if we can get them onto the full tilt Debbie podcast be, so that we can. It's going to be it. tough because we, we we're we're kind of like a we're going to have to go on Thursday or something because we're like right in their time slot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the only thing is we'll probably have to actually. I think I think Aaron uh, just reached out for Felix to come on the Debbie Devotional, and he had said something like Mondays and Thursdays, something like that. So you know maybe we can make one of those days work, and you know like you said, we'll just have to switch it up. We can still put it out on the same day, but you know maybe we record on a Monday, we live stream on a Monday, but 
we got to be flexible for our guests. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll make it work either way. Uh, but, you know, it'll be nice to introduce some of the C. We always talk about them. So it'll be nice to talk, you know, to introduce the C2C boys to our audience if they don't know them already. But make sure you check out their stuff. We really do appreciate you guys listening. And, uh, yeah, don't draft freshmen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 See you guys. Thank you.